Blog Talk Radio. The headlights are a cut in the fog on a midnight highway. And 18 wheels are a driving through the dawn. There's a Blue Ridge Mountain sunrise filling the mirror. The ashtray's full, the coffee's almost gone And the trucker's heading west to Colorado Passing the miles with his friends on the CB coast And tonight the truck stops somewhere out in nowhere And tomorrow's the wind and the open road Glory. And I believe I feel the freedom in his story Riding that diesel one Chasing that long white line Dropping that load on time And he's going home Hi everybody and welcome to the Interactive Internet I'm your host Pete Carr Welcoming you to our Sunday show. And uh, for you regular listeners, I know it's been a long time since we had a show. Um, Basically, here's the situation. Blog Talk Radio used to allow us to schedule shows in advance. And we would schedule three months worth of shows at at one time, and then we would be here every Sunday at 6 p.m. Well, some time ago, they changed that. And we we no longer can schedule shows in advance. We have to schedule them. Um, every show we have to individually schedule. And I just simply didn't have the time to to go in every week, log in, create a show, and then later on, when six o'clock Sunday came along, uh, be able to do the show. I am just too busy, and right now. Um, basically every Sunday at six o'clock, I unload at Publix in Decula, Georgia. Now I'm at Publix waiting to get, uh, waiting to get checked in and unload. So I have the switchboard on. I have Mary Lou here. Um, Lou is going to run the show for a few minutes while I walk in and, uh, and get things, uh, figured out with Publix here. But that's what's been going on is we can't schedule shows in advance. So it is very difficult for me even to take a few minutes during the week and schedule a show for Sunday. So I have to apologize, folks. You know, I know we've been off the air for a long time. I really loved it when all I had to do was dial the number on my phone and it logged me in and I could do that. I could do the show while Mary Lou ran the switchboard. I didn't have to worry about setting it up and all that. And it worked out really great. Um, we had a show every Sunday. But now, because of the fact that I have to go in and schedule every show individually, uh, we're, we're missing a lot of shows. And I'm really disgusted with Blog Talk Radio over this. I would much rather be able to go in one time, schedule three months' worth of shows in advance, and then Sunday afternoon, if I'm out trucking or I'm trying to load or unload, all I got to do is hit my phone and I'm on. 
That was so much easier. Anyway, here we are, folks. It is Sunday, March 6, 2016. Uh, we, had, uh, we had one topic to discuss, and that was the failure of Detroit, the da- Detroit's downfall. We had that, and, of course, um, other things come into play um, between the time that I originally posted that on Twitter and now. Uh, of course, the um, the big, I don't know if you call her celebrity, but the big personality death of the day, um, is Nancy Reagan. I I saw reports that she was either 93 or 94 years old. Whichever she 94. was. I saw 93 also. Mm. I saw I saw a couple of places say 93. Yeah. Well, the, the one that so, we saw first was uh, BBC, and then I forget which group here had it from there. But they all said 94, so I, you know, I honestly don't know. Yeah, I'm going to say probably 94. Yeah. Anyway, uh, former first lady, uh, wife of President Ronald Reagan, passed away, Nancy Reagan. Uh, we're going to say 94 just uh, just because 90, <laughs> there's not much difference, folks, between 93 and 94. Yeah. Not at all. She was, still, she was still way up there in the earth. Anyway, I wasn't particularly a fan of either Ronald Reagan or Nancy Reagan, um, but let's give her the credit that she's due. She was the first lady of the United States for eight years, and um, they did do a lot of good. There were a lot of good things. You know, she was involved in a lot of things. She was involved in the anti-drug program and all that. So, um, you know, credits to her. Um, I I suppose there will be the next thing, the next lower thing than a state funeral for her. And um, I understand that she is going to be buried next to Ronald Reagan at the Reagan National Lab uh, National Library. And I'm not sure, but I think that's out in Santa Barbara. No, Simi Valley, it's... California. Oh, it's in Simi Valley. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's still Southern California. Okay, well, anyway, Lou, I am going to go ahead and put my Bluetooth on and walk in and get checked in here and find out what dock they want me in and all that good stuff. Okay. Um, we have we have Nancy Reagan. Uh, I know that you're not as up on Detroit as I am, uh, nope. so we'll leave that topic go for the minute. Uh, we also have, now, remember a couple of weeks ago, folks, there was a shooting in Kalamazoo, Michigan? A couple of people killed, a couple of people wounded. And it was by an on-duty Uber driver. This guy was picking up and dropping people off in between shooting other people. Well, anyway, I saw the other day that one of the uh, wounded victims, Tiana Carruthers, uh, had a GoFundMe page. Now, one of the other uh, wounded victims, and I think her name's Abigail, there were two GoFundMe pages, one for Abigail, one for... Abigail's was up to like $44,000 collected. Kiana's was at $5,600. $44,000 $5,600. Well, that irked me. I, I donated $100, and I also made a tweet on Twitter that, that said, make this go viral, 
um, you know, donate to this Kalamazoo shooting victim. It went from 5,600. I just checked it a couple of minutes before showtime, and it's up over 7,600. So it's gained $2,000 in a 24-hour period. We've gained more for this lady in 24 hours, you know, than basically uh, the 10 days that it's been up. And I'll tell you, go to, go to GoFundMe.com. Look up Tiana Carruthers. And make a donation, folks. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I am I am doubly irked at the fact that not only is there a large discrepancy between the two victims uh, fundamental, the $44,000 victims fund is a white lady. Tiana is a black lady. And she only collected 5000 5,000 versus 44,000. Now, let's make this up, people. Let, let's, don't, let's don't make it look what it seems to be. Yeah. Tiana um, actually shielded her children from their shooter. So don't, don't look at the pictures and make your decision based on skin color. Because I'm telling you, that ain't right. Go to GoFundMe, look for Tiana Carretters, and you'll see the amount is somewhere around 7000 7600 something like that. Make a donation, even if it's five bucks, but make a donation before the end of the show. I thank you. Tiana, thank you. All right. Um, Lou, if you have any subject you would like to talk about, go right ahead, because in a few minutes, this is going to be your show. Mm. Unfortunately, I have to go check in. I will apologize now because I get a coughing spell, and I'm sorry. I try to mute the phone when it happens. I don't always make it in time. Yeah, so that's I'm okay. just I, I, I know. Apologizing I, I know, up front. It's, it's the same thing with me, Lou. Um, if I don't take that mucinex, I get you know that post nasal drip stuff. Well, I'm I'm ahead of schedule on the Sudafed, not the Mucinex, because if I take it too early, then I lose the effect. But the Sudafed hopefully will help. And I did take the cough syrup, so, and that's why my voice is out of whack as well, is because of all of this. It's just been one thing after right. another. But today, I can say it's a gorgeous day, and I have thoroughly enjoyed being outside in the beautiful air. Good. <laughs> so. Okay. All right, well, you go ahead. I'm going to mute myself. Okay. Uh, because I've been doing that hack. Yeah. But I'm going to go I'm gonna go ahead and get myself together and mute myself. If there's anything I need to throw into there in the meantime, I'll unmute and, uh, and uh, get your attention. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, hopefully this won't take long, folks. All right, I'll be back in a little bit. Okay. I really have just one thing to say on the um, injustice of the GoFundMe thing. I honestly do not think anyone bothered to read the stories behind either women. One was an innocent bystander. Yes, that is really, really bad. But the other one jumped and put herself between her children. 
somebody should have caught that a long time ago in the beginning of, of all of this happening. And of the two, I think that one is the more deserving because she tried to save, even though it was her own children, she still tried to save people. And I think it's only right that she gets helped out or her kids get helped out. I think the shooting, of course, was wrong totally. And I don't think either woman should have to give up, you know, and not be able to have the monies that are being funded to them. I think that's an admirable thing on both, on everyone's part for both. But to single one out for whatever reason, I don't want to say it's because of the skin color, but unfortunately I'm looking at it, I'm afraid that's very probably what it was. Enough of that. Um, we have had some very interesting weather this winter. Pete was sitting in, um, I don't know if it was in Tennessee, somewhere around in there the other night, and it was raining, raining cats and dogs. And he had checked the weather report, and he was laughing, and I asked him what, what he was finding so funny, and he said, well, it's raining here, and yet south of me in Nashville, it's snowing. So I reminded him the whole we- the whole winter has been in reverse. Snow in the south, rain in the north. Cold in the south, warm in the north. Of course, it eventually made its way up through the north and northeast. And a lot of times with the vengeance, I mean, they got a lot of snow up there this year. But it hit the south first. And we had so much cold weather here in central Florida that it was unreal. Luckily, it wasn't freezing for days in a row like it has been the last couple of winters. So we didn't really lose anything. In fact, I still have stuff that's blooming. It hadn't quit. All the trees are budded back out. I have some plants that generally have to be cut back every year and then you know, new shoots come up. The old shoots have popped buds on them and are opening up. My grandson and about-to-be granddaughter um, planted some petunias for me out in the corner of the front yard around where I have a, a gorgeous, it's called a butterfly plant. That's the actual name of it, is a butterfly plant. And the flowers are blue and they are in perfect butterfly shape. It's a gorgeous plant. I love it. I've had it for I don't know how many years. I've got pieces of it all over the yard because all I do is take the cut, you know, cut the old one out, stick it in the ground, and it roots and grows. I have a cape jasmine that does the same thing. The the cape jasmine is not like all the other jasmines that we know. It's not a um, climber at all. It's an actual bush. And that's another one you just take and... Take a cutting, stick it in the ground, and it goes. You can do the same thing with hibiscus. So you can buy one plant, and over a few years, you can fill your whole yard. It's awesome. And here, it's beautiful for doing all that stuff, because we will have our rainy season, the season, ultimately, in June, July sometime, to where you never have to water your yard at all in that period of time. 
So that's when you put all your new bushes and things like that in. So you don't have to water them. And by the time it ends, you water them periodically, but you don't have to do a steady every day, twice a day watering to keep them going. They'll go on their own. I don't know how old the trees are in this yard. Um, I've had the house since 03, the property since 03. <laughs> Excuse me. And we've made different flower beds in different areas, different sizes, and we ultimately cut them all down because I'm no longer able to take care of everything like I used to be able to. But uh, and And we've put perennials in to the point that, you know, ultimately I don't have to go in and do a whole lot of weeding because everything is so grown together and so forth that it pretty much chokes the weeds out. Plus, we use the uh, we use mulch as well, and that helps. But we have a pond that I have five turtles in. Now, mind you, all of my turtles I've had for a long time especially the big ones out in the pond. Those were my original turtles, and I got them in 05, 06. So they're, you know, they're 10, 11 years old. And they have been out in the pond for a minimum of six or seven years. They had reached a point where they had four of them in a 10-gallon aquarium. I had to separate them into two aquariums, two in each one, they outgrew that. I put them in a big 50-gallon, but with the 50-gallon, you can't fill it all the way up with water, unfortunately, unless you have to have an area where they can be out of the water and sun anyway. So my son built a pond, dug it all out because that area where we have it was all sand, and we have a grapefruit tree there, which I'm getting around to. Um we originally had four of the big, as they turned out to be big guys, two of them left home and didn't come back. But the others are still here. I have now hatched. I didn't hatch them. They hatched on their own, and we found them before anything happened to them. Two. So I've raised two. One is out in the aquarium, in the pond now, and the other one is in the aquarium. And a friend of mine her son went to college, so he was no longer there to take care of the turtle and the algae eater. Algae eater's name is Lola, and the turtle is Frankie. So I've got two turtles and an algae eater in a 20-gallon aquarium in the house. Five turtles outside. So I still have seven turtles. And it's interesting watching these guys interact and grow and I get so tickled every once in a while, Lola, the algae eater, will get a bee in her bonnet, and she'll decide that not only do all the different hiding places and and the, the rocks, I have a couple of bridges that they can get out and sun on and so forth, and she hides underneath one of them. But she'll get this bee in her bonnet, and she'll decide the turtles need to be cleaned. Their shells need to be cleaned. They're trying to get away, so she just takes and sits down on top of them until she gets them clean, and then she releases them and goes on to the next one. When they're both taken care of, then she goes on and takes her nap. But it's so funny to watch them. 
they are a lot of fun. I've always, always had fish. We've always had fish. The kids grew up with fish as well as their dogs and cats, which we have here also. Three dogs, two cats, seven turtles, and we're out in the boonies. So, of course, we have all kinds of wildlife out here. So there's something going on all the time, and my neighbor has five dogs. He did have a cat, but ultimately that one unfortunately did not survive a car with a speeder on our street. Won't go any further than that. Um, And we have connecting gate between the two yards. So every morning when I let mine out, you hear all this commotion going on because my dogs immediately went to the gate. John's dogs came out and greeted them, and you hear them barking back and forth. Not viciously. They're just, they're saying their good mornings, and then my dogs go on and do their thing and come on in and get their medication and whatever else needs to be taken care of. My cats do not go outside, but I have this gorgeous screened porch, and they spend all their time out there. And, of course, they didn't like the idea they couldn't get out at night, so we put in a, a cat door in the window in the front. So we have a table on both sides, and they jump up on the table, go through the door. But what's funny is I have this black lab. Now, two of the dogs belong to Pete. Third one belongs to my son. None of them belong to me. But when they want something, I'm the one they come to, all of them. And it's funny to watch. We come home, like if I have a doctor's appointment or whatever, and we come home, and you can hear them the minute we drive in. They they hear us come down the road and they're carrying on. Well, Taylor Marie, the black lab, has figured out that if she pokes her nose through that opening there, she can see what's going on much better than looking through the window. I haven't been able to catch her at it yet because I want to get a picture of that black snoop coming out through that window because I think that would be hilarious. I love it. The other dogs don't bother getting up there, but they're, believe me, they're at the front door waiting to come in. And, of course, now that we don't have, you know, it's beautiful and nice and sunshiny and so forth, it's not hot because we don't have any humidity. That'll come later, and it'll come with the vengeance, big vengeance. But Taylor likes to go out and lay, just lay by the fence or the gate or whatever, She likes to lay by the pond because she's trying to figure out how she can get at the turtles. Well, she had the chance to do that one day because John was over here cleaning the filter and everything, and Taylor got in there, and she was trying to catch the turtles. Well, that's not a good thing. You know, they're babies to me just like she is, and no, I'm not going to let anything happen to them. She doesn't like them being there, I guess. I don't know. But we have all kinds of wind chimes on the fence that we built around it. It's a wire-type fence. (coughs) Excuse me. But she's funny to watch. And she knows as soon as she hears the fence go off, because as soon as she hits that fence, all these wind chimes are going off. And I'm hollering her name. She knows she's been caught. She knows she's not supposed to do it. Because when I let her out and I, I see her, you know, there's turtles out. We have 
open areas for them to get out and sun themselves and so forth. And she sees them laying there. They're ignoring her. And she'll look back at me and she'll look at that fence and I'll say, Taylor Marie, you know better. She'll look back at me and you can, I can just hear her go, hmm, and walk away. She'll turn and go the other way around the other side of the yard, around the back of the house. And I know what she's doing. She's coming up the back side of the house so that she can sit in the flower bed out there and watch them. And she figures, I don't know if she's there. Just like little kids, they are so funny. But what started all this is the grapefruit tree is dying. It's Half of it's already dead. And so we're going to take it out. And my son got a palm tree to put in there. I forget the name of it, but it's beautiful. And it's already over five foot tall. And it really was inexpensive. It was only like $13 at Walmart. He was looking at a bigger one, but quite a big one, actually. But uh, no, they wanted a little too much for it. Hello? So we're going to put, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and finish what you were saying. Well, we're going to put the palm tree in where that grapefruit tree is. And that's, I think, at the moment, we've got other plants to put in, but nothing major like that project is going to be. That's it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'm checked in. i got to go back into the door, and then we'll continue with the show. Now I'm walking from the office back over to the truck, and it's a long way because they got me all the way to the other end of the building. Oh, my word. So the original one wasn't right, huh? Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm really, you know, uh, let's let's get back to uh, Tiana Carruthers for just a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad that she's getting the help. And another kind of a side note is, until I started posting that on Twitter, her. Um, her fun was just dormant. It was it was not going anywhere. And there and in the twenty four hours that I've been posting, it's jumped almost three thousand dollars in one day. Mm-hmm. And this this really shows the power of the internet. In one place can do so much good so quickly. I'm, uh, true. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that that it's moved upward a couple of grand. Um, I think it shouldn't, you know. It shouldn't have come to that to start with, but on the other hand, um, it also shows that there's no problem that we can't fix with a little work. And and this, to me, is what America, what the United States is really all about. People go about living their lives, doing their jobs, coming home to their families or whatever. When a person gets in trouble or, 
you know, looking at it from the Colorado point of view. And uh, in eastern Colorado, we have blizzards. And the road usually gets shut down around Lyman, Colorado. When that happens, Lyman, Colorado goes from 3,000 people to 20,000 people because we have all these people stranded over the years. Every time there's a blizzard, they call the city hall. They say, I got room for three people. I got room for four people. And we find shelter for 20,000 people. They stay at our homes. You know, we feed them. They got a bed. Everything's fine. We don't charge them for this. We take care of our people. When the blizzard is over and the road is open, they go about their business. They go on with their trip. You know, by and large, this is America. We do our own thing our own way. But when one of us gets, you know, it's just like the carnival or the circus. When one person gets in trouble, everybody comes running. They all help out, and there's no obligation to repay. Now, can you imagine, folks, being in the middle of a blizzard in eastern Colorado, 85 miles from Denver, and demand that the government take care of you? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the government can't get on a road if it's closed. So it's up to us to do this. This is the real spirit of America as far as I'm concerned. Individuals, without, um, without being forced to, individuals opening up their homes and their hearts, in the case of Tiana, opening up their pocketbooks a little bit, helping out and going about our business. That's exactly what America is all about. We are strong, independent people, but when the time comes, we can band together without government intervention. We can do the job. When you really think about it, in your daily life, there is little to no need for a government. There really isn't. I, You know, people have lived their entire lives without um, without being, you know, accosted by the police, uh, without having to go to court, without all of this. You know, we don't, by and large, we don't need in our lives. That's the way America is. We're pretty resilient, independent. You know, we take care of our own. Right now, I'm trying to get the seal off the back of this trailer. Mm. Yeah, I wish that guy didn't seal it like that. Anyway. There we go. Okay. Yeah. It's coming, huh? Anyway. um, That was just my thought about it. You know... That's what places like like GoFundMe are all about. It's not asking for a handout. It's not asking for a government loan and all that. It's saying, hey, I need a little help here with a hand up. And people donate 
to GoFundMe projects, they donate without a consideration of, okay, how much is this going to make me? Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's no repayment program with that. It's not like going to the bank. It's not like going uh, to venture capitalists or your, or your brother-in-law or whatever. It's total strangers helping total strangers when the time comes. That's what I like about things like GoFundMe in general. That's what I like about them. It's just Americans helping each other here. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's looking at it from my political standpoint. And when I ran for governor in 2010, I had I had a saying. I said, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you all of the great things I'm going to do. I said, I want a government that's off your back and out of your wallet so that you can go do those great things. That's the way government should be. Government should step back and let people do the great things in life. We've seen what happens with uh, with communism, with socialism, where the government runs everything. It's a total failure. Let people run their own lives. You know, just step back. We can do this. That's that's my attitude. Okay. Anyway, I got to crank this up and back in the door. So. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put me on mute again, okay, Lou? Okay. Okay, I'll be back in about 10 minutes. Now, time of year that I really love the best because it's not humid. It's just beautiful and warm. Everything grows. Um, yeah, if you put new plants in, you got to water them to keep them until the rains start. But you can be outside, you can do these things without getting overheated in, in 15 minutes, which we all have to be very careful with that because it can hit you all of a sudden and it can hit you full force with uh, full vengeful force, actually, because when it hits you that hard, you're generally pretty darn sick. So... And I know when it's way too hot because the dogs won't stay out. Right now, I have fun trying to get them to come in. But that's all right. They can stay out where it's nice and beautiful and, and enjoy it while they while it's there to enjoy. That's the good part. So it's cool at night, cool enough to sleep, warm enough in the daytime to run around in T-shirts and shorts. Ideal weather all the way around. Of course, we do have some nights that get pretty cold. We get down to uh, the high 30s, 40s. That's pretty darn cold, especially when you're not used to having that kind of weather. I remember when I lived in the snow country in in Oklahoma and up north in, in New York and so forth. When it hit 50 degrees, it was like, oh, my gosh, we're having a heat wave. It's hot. It's hot. But yet the other end of the year, when we're going from summer to winter, it's like, oh, my God, it's 50. I'm freezing. So your body doesn't know what to do with it. 
So I'm thoroughly enjoying these beautiful days. I'm I really am. I'm enjoying sitting out on the porch. I love my porch because there's a lot of mosquitoes and so forth around here in that time of year. A lot of different bugs like that. And Florida has I just suddenly forgot the name of these dumb things that come out in the change of whether um they're supposed to take care of mosquitoes and things of that nature. Love bugs is what they're called. Love bugs. And just their bodies alone crashing into your car as you're driving down the road, it'll it it, it eats up your paint job. You've got to be very careful. You've got to make sure you get them off and get them clean as often as possible. <coughs> because those guys will mess up your paint job real fast. So you've got to be really, really careful there. But we don't have any salt and so forth on the roads to rust out the undercarriages of vehicles, which is a good thing. Because you never know when you're going to have a hole in the floorboard. Years ago, um, I got a second-hand car. And unbeknownst to anyone, the kids were driving down the road one day and came back and said, Mom, somebody stole a horn. We don't have a horn in the car anymore. So we went out and we popped the hood, and sure enough, the horn was gone. It was this great big hole where the salt had rusted through the the uh, undercarriage where it was sitting, and the horn went down the road by itself. It was a riot. I learned to laugh at a lot of different funny things like that. You know, so it's fun. If you look back on things like that that normally would make you cry or upset or whatever, if you look back at the funny side of it, you can enjoy those past things that have happened in your life. Because the really, probably 98% of them are funny anyway. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, I'm back. Okay, it's all yours, sir. Oh, okay. Anyway, um... <laughs> Yeah, and I got you on speaker right now because I'm kind of moving around in the truck here. Yeah, I figured as much. Yeah, we really uh, didn't get much of a chance on this show because of the the duties of office of being an over-the-road trucker. Mm. Yeah, I've really, you know, if nothing else, maybe I can set you up to, to where you can schedule shows in advance or something. Mm. It's it's not that difficult. It takes five minutes to do, but a lot of times I just simply, you know, and a lot of it is because I've got to stop. I have to hook up my computer. I have to get an internet connection and all that. And it's just, you know, for a five-minute online job, it takes me 20 minutes. And sometimes I don't have 20 minutes. I've got, you know, I have... um Delivery schedules like this this uh, trailer here has six deliveries on it between now and Thursday, and I have to be at certain places at certain times, and that's it. Oh yes, especially so, with the way it's being logged now. Yeah, with the electronic logs, and that's a whole other show. But with the electronic mm-hmm. logs, it, it's so screwed up. Um, drivers really. You know, 
the logging system, the logbook system for truck drivers is supposed to be so that we're safe and rested out there. Yet I have found, since I started running these logs, in a way, yes, I do get, I do get my rest, but every day is at a different time of the day or night that I shut down for 10 hours. I may, I may shut down today at 6 a.m. and not be able to leave till 4 p.m. And the next day, I may shut down at 3 in the afternoon and have to leave out at 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, anybody that knows anything about sleeping and wake cycles knows you can't throw your sleep and wake cycle off like that every day and expect to live. There's times, literally, where I've had to go to sleep at 2 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's just damn impossible. You know, like if I shut down at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that means at 1 o'clock in the morning i got to run again. Well, my normal sleep cycle is about from 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. Anything else screws me up, and I lay there, and I get up, and I have a smoke, I go hit the bathroom, I get a drink, I come back and I lay down for another hour because I can't sleep. I really hate these electronic logs. Anyway, um, there was a uh, there was a GOP Detroit uh, debate in Detroit uh, at the beautiful Fox Theater in Detroit. And I know the Fox Theater intimately because my former father-in-law owned Lewis the Hatter Clothiers, which was in the Fox Theater building. I have been in every space on every in every inch of that building over the years. It's just a beautiful building, and they have concerts, they have uh, guest lectures, they have theater performances, everything. It's just beautiful. Anyway, they had the GOP debate, and I think it was Ted Cruz said something about 60 years of failed policy is what ruined Detroit. Um, we're really not going to be able to have the time to get into a lot of it. But here's the, here's the really short story. Detroit was booming during World War II. They had the war effort. All of the automobile companies switched over to war production. Um, right after, right during and after that, they brought up a lot of poor white and poor black people from the South to come work the factories. And those people stayed after the war because Detroit was still booming. Nobody had made automobiles for four or five years, so they were back in automobile production in 1946. And the late 40s, all the 50s, and all the 60s, um, auto production was just going boomers. Well, with the modernization of everything else around them, the auto companies modernized by going to uh, more technical assembly lines, you know, uh, computer-driven and all that. They trained a lot of white assembly people 
to work the computer systems and, and to run the modern factories. They didn't train the black guys. The white guys got all the technical training, and they made money, and they moved up into Warren at Southfield and, and uh, Troy and Sterling Heights and Madison Heights and all that. And the black guys, their jobs went lower and lower and lower in skill level to where they were nothing more than the janitors for the factories. They were completely and totally shut out from technical training. At the same time, when the when the big suburbs up, up in Macomb County, above 8 Mile, when the big suburbs started up, there was a system called redlining. Redlining was, above this line, you don't sell to a black family. So suburbs, and especially like Warren, uh, East Detroit, which is now called East Point, Frazier, all of those towns up there were 90% or more white. You know, the black man that could afford a house in Warren couldn't buy the house because the realtor would not even show them that. It was a system called redlining. They were shut out. When the good jobs left Detroit and went to the suburbs, nothing was was left in Detroit. And that's why we have had nothing but problems with the city of Detroit ever since. Now, when Coleman Young was elected mayor of Detroit, he was the first black mayor. And he decided that he would push the white businesses out of Detroit in favor of black-owned businesses. Well, that's good to a point. Uh, The point where the good jobs have left and you have menial labor jobs left. You know, he didn't think about the fact that the white business owners were the ones that were paying and employing the black man in trying to help African-Americans in Detroit, Coleman Young put them on the unemployment line. This has been systematic ever since the end of World War II, folks. I'm looking at the time here see what we got left. Anyway, we're going to get into this more, but I'll tell you what. I lived in Detroit off and on from 1953 on, my uh, my brother Mike was born in Highland Park, which is a uh, Detroit suburb. Now, Detroit has two suburbs within the city limits, Hamtramck and Highland Park. Mike was born in Highland Park in 1953. And then we went to Chicago, and then we went overseas. But I have been in Detroit. Um, When I came back from Germany in 68, out of high school, I went back to Detroit because my dad went to Vietnam for a year. And we lived in in Warren at housing specifically for dependents of overseas military personnel. Well, anyway, I was 18 years old, and I was on my own, basically, so I hung out in downtown Detroit. And then when I went in the Army in 71, 
Detroit was my home of record, even though I was born in Pittsburgh. So I've had a, 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 a huge connection to the city of Detroit and Michigan for a lot of years, folks, the last 60 years. I saw what was happening in Detroit. I have an uncle, or I had an aunt and uncle, that lived on the east side of Detroit. And somewhere around 1964, they moved up to Warren to what was then a brand new suburb. And they lived there ever since. And when they moved up there, we were living on the east side of Detroit, and we went up and visited them. You could cross Eight Mile Road. And above Eight Mile Road at that time was basically farmland until you got to Eleven Mile Road, and then there was this big suburb on the right-hand side when you were driving north on Ryan. And that's where they lived. They lived out in the country in this brand-new subdivision. Of course, now Warren is, is completely packed with, you know, it's it's an urban area. But at that time, 64, 65, um, it, was, it was out in the country. And you didn't see a black face up there. There was no African-Americans above eight miles. If there was, they were going up there to do a job and then go back to Detroit for the home. But they didn't live there. <coughs> they have been systematically shut out of everything in Detroit. And the consequences are what we are dealing with today. There are actually enclaves now in Detroit that are trying to rejuvenate that city. Where we lived over on Yorkshire, by Yorkshire and Harper, on the east side, is now called East English Village. And and the English-style home that we have is really nice, folks. It's all been refurbished and everything. Um, area has been what they call gentrified. It's a beautiful area. And I remember back in the 80s, driving up I-94 East, and I wanted to get off and see the old neighborhood there, and I got off. I got onto Harper there by St. Matthews, and every storefront was boarded up, and there was gang signs everywhere. And I told my then wife, Monica, I said, nope, we're not going down my street. It's bad enough here on Harper, we're not going down the residential street. Well, that's all changed. A lot of it has changed because of the government, but because people have taken Detroit into their own hands and are, are fixing it. You know, Detroit declared bankruptcy. Detroit was broke because of 60 years of democratic rule. They took everything for themselves and gave Detroit nothing. Anyway, my company, Onco Space, is one of the, one of the companies that's moving back into the city of Detroit creating workspaces where people can come in and start a business and get Detroit back on its feet. And I think from this point on, I think you'll see more Republican leadership in the city of Detroit. You'll see more independent people in leadership positions. 
because they've seen what happens under democratic rule, and nobody likes it. Anyway, that's the short story, folks. Uh, Lou, if you have some final thoughts, go ahead. I know you've been talking for half the show. But go right ahead so that I can take a little rest here while they are unloading me. All right. (laughs) Well, I have my usual parting thoughts. I'll save them for the end of this. Um, I've been pretty good today. I didn't get into any tirades. I was proud of myself. It's been a while. But everybody needs to just kind of step back and think before they do something that could turn out to be wrong or hurtful. Just stop and think before you plunge into anything. Everybody needs to work together to put things back on or on the correct path, and not just in Detroit, but in a whole lot of other places as well. And truthfully, with over two-thirds of Washington up for re-election, I think we need to get rid of the old dead wood and get some new stuff in there that hopefully will make things grow again. I don't care what party they are, as long as they can work together. That's the main thing. Work together. Make it work. Quit fighting because you enjoy fighting. Just work together calmly, serenely, and let things grow and do what they should do to begin with. And the way it should have been, the way it was originally set up, until selfish people got in there and started making their own selfish moves, particularly in the last few years. I will say no more on that subject. But my main thing is, again, slow down, stop and think. There have been so many people run off the road because somebody was in a hurry to get someplace, and there's quite a few of those somebodies that didn't make it because they wound up killing themselves for making the wrong move. Yep, that's true. I don't know how Uh, many times people I know have been almost run off the road. Lou, we're coming out. We're running out of time now. The main thing is slow down, listen to the music, have good conversation with your people in your vehicle, enjoy the drive, and have a good week. Yep, there you go. And, folks, a real quick weather word. Um, The entire southern United States, uh, from California over to Georgia, is expecting a very large rainstorm this week upwards of 12 inches of rain. Uh, So if you're in the south, be prepared. Anyway, Lou, I appreciate you taking over uh, while I was trying to do business with uh, Publix. And, uh, folks, we will try and get us a a show scheduled as quick as we can for next Sunday or Sunday after or whatever. Anyway, thank you, Lou. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you again uh, right here on Blog Talk Radio. And, Lou, if you will please... Punch our closing theme. We'll be back uh, when we can be back, folks. Thank you, Lou. Thanks, everybody. And bye-bye. Hey, Lou, is it not playing? No, it's not. Well, I can't get on.
Oh, you mm-hmm. don't have internet access. No. That's right. You're not you're not on the switchboard. Nope. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, folks, we will close out without a theme song because I forgot to plug back in again. All right. Anyway, Lou, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll see you all here next week. I'll go ahead and get my computer on and close the show out from here. Okay? Yep. Okay, folks, we're, we're out of here. Bye-bye.